When you think about a payer, they're probably going to be most attractive actually to the independent living because they would rather get quote unquote access to those individuals earlier in the process, right? To be able to help to navigate their care and, and create savings earlier in the process. So if you're a CCRC, if you're a 28 apartment assisted living or everything in between, value-based care is something that is available and is an opportunity for all of us in this industry. Welcome to season six of Bridge the Gap, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating, and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by sponsors AccuShield, Align, ProCare HR, Hamilton Captel, ServiceMaster, Patriot Angels, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity, and produced by Salinity Marketing. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, this senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. A great topic on today centered around value-based care and the value-based movement that's coming into the industry. We want to welcome our guest today, Alan Fairbanks, the president at Servum Care Network. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Alan, you know, it's great to see you again. Actually, we had the opportunity to meet you a number of years back. I believe it was the NHI Symposium in Nashville. We had a great time and a great time hanging out and getting to know you a little bit better. It's great to see you back. You recently uh, transitioned over uh, as president at Servum. Please update us on that transition and kind of what some of your initiatives and goals are before we jump into the value-based movement. I, you know, made the decision to transition into Servium. I've been doing a lot of work for Servium. As many of you probably know, Bickford was a one of the founding members of, of the Servium Care Network. And, you know, I've been doing this for 35 years now. And, and what I've come to realize is as an industry, we're really at a, a significant crossroads right now with what's available to us when you think about value-based care and, and some of the initiatives in and around value-based care. And, and what I felt was for me to really have a more meaningful impact on this industry and to be a voice for operators, this was an opportunity that I, I just couldn't pass up and had to uh, to really lean into and, and felt like it was my opportunity to, to give back to the industry at the end of the day, an industry that I love dearly and, and, and care a lot about. And ultimately, from the operator standpoint, giving a voice for operators as it relates to value-based care was, was ultimately why I chose to make the decision to uh, transition into the Serbium Care Network. Well, this is exciting, and I'm really excited not only uh, for our listeners, but for myself to talk to you a little bit, uh, because, I mean, this is brand new. There has been a ton of conversation, value-based care, the hot topic over really the last year or two. We've had some of these conversations on our network, but our audience represents the industry well in that we have the largest operators listening all the way down to the mom and pops throughout the industry, the smaller operators that have from one community on up and value-based care is something that I think we're all trying to wrap our heads around of, of how we position our teams, our communities, our services to be in that movement. And so if you could frame for us just a little bit about value-based care and what some of the goals for you are early on, maybe in this first year or two with the Servium Care Network. You're right. You cannot go to a conference today, right, and have 
75% of the, the conference being discussed is value-based care. So it is certainly a, a hot topic. Everyone's talking about it. But what I feel happens is everyone's talking about it, but no one's really talking about it from the frame of, a, of an operator. And as an operator, how do I access value-based care? What does it mean? And, and what is my opportunity as it relates to value-based care? So one of the things, first and foremost, is helping operators understand what value-based care means. And, and for me, ultimately, to break it down in its simplest terms, it's as an operator, I have a mechanism and a way to begin to get paid for the outcomes that I'm producing. If I do a really good job as an operator and, and taking care of seniors in their home in a, in a proactive way, doing a good job with decreasing hospitalizations, decreasing ER visits, and creating value for the healthcare system as a whole and the spending that goes on in the healthcare system, then I, as an operator, ought to be able to get paid for that work that I'm doing. And ultimately, that's what I believe that value-based care is, is a way and a mechanism for us as operators to get paid for the work that we're already doing and the outcomes that we're producing. So for me, the biggest opportunity and way to do that is to produce and have a, a platform that operators can, can step into, can lean into, that creates these outcomes, and then an on-ramp for senior living operators to be able to enter into that and ultimately, as I said, get paid for the work that we're doing. And that's what we're creating at Serbium Care Network is that on-ramp, that vehicle for individual operators. If you're an operator of one community and one location, or if you're an operator of multiple communities, we have a, a platform and a mechanism for you to be able to enter into value-based care and access some of the benefits that value-based care creates for us as operators. Alan, that seems very encouraging because, you know, everything you just said, I would say 99.99% of the operators that I talk to, regardless of the size of their community, you can you can even hear uh, Lucas, our the, the senior living fan, he can't get away from his phone. I mean, it's just nonstop. That's somebody calling in right now asking a question yeah. about value-based yeah. care. I, I yeah. know this was a dial-in show. It's already yeah, happening. That, it's, it's coming. I mean, I can't take this guy anywhere. But this is extremely encouraging, I know, to our listeners. It's encouraging to me because, like I was saying, probably the majority, the vast majority of the people listening right now are saying, hey, you know what? That sounds like me. I've been working for years. I've been uh, focusing on reducing hospital admissions. I've been working on quality outcomes. We're kind of already in that business, but in an industry that's been getting crunched and taking uh, some hard knocks, you're saying we're already in a good position and providing a lot of these services. What we have to figure out is what are the steps to actually monetize on this? What are the steps to actually get paid for what we're already doing? If I'm hearing you correctly, there's a way to do that. And part of what you're creating is a platform for that. Can you tell us a little bit more of what are some steps that you take to get to that point? Let me back up a little bit because I think what actually has happened and why this is becoming so accessible and so available to us today really goes back to COVID and all the crap that we went through as an industry, right, as it relates to COVID. And I think coming on the backside of COVID, what that has ultimately created is a willingness for operators to collaborate and cooperate and work together 
in such a way that I've never seen again in the 35 years that I've been doing this. I think operators are more and more willing to lean in and work together in a collaborative way, much more so than they ever have post-COVID. And I think that certainly is a positive. I think that's been something that's been needed in this industry for a long, long time. So ultimately, when you think about that platform, what we're creating is a strategy that is focused in regional markets and in individual states of creating an alliance, an alliance of operators that are, that are working together. We at Servium will hold that alliance. We will go and get in relationship with the payers and on behalf of those individual communities, those individual communities will work with us as the alliance, they'll contract with the alliance. We will go out and we will find those payers. We will hold that risk, both upside and downside risk when you talk about value-based care and getting in relationship with those payers to give access to that risk for those individual communities. Because when you think about value-based care, some of the real benefits come when you know you're producing the outcomes and then you're able to go at risk for some of those dollars. If you're an individual community, you don't have the capital, you don't have the access to be able to, to go and get in relationship with payers because payers aren't interested in single communities. So what we are creating is an opportunity to create scale and density with multiple communities in individual locations, individual regions, which will get the payers' attention. And then on behalf of those individual communities, we as the Alliance will get in relationship with payers and then share in those funds with those individuals' communities as they produce outcomes. We think that's a model that can be replicated multiple locations over and over again. To me, it's the best way for individual and small operators to access value-based care because at the end of the day, scale and density is what is what's going to drive so much of this. And many of us as operators don't have the ability to do that because we just don't have the size. We're giving the opportunity for that with our alliance strategy for individual operators to be able to access value-based care. Well, that is exciting. And you know, I'm I'm sitting here putting my small operator hat on and I'm thinking so you're telling me there's a chance. And so we have an opportunity in front of us, but I'm also now thinking, gosh, you know, I, I bet there's a checklist. I bet there's some criteria that right now I can go and look at my team and say, this is what we need to get in place in our operations, in our community to make sure that we're ready to join a network like this. Is there any kind of cheat sheet you can give us to make sure we're ready for this? The biggest thing is is the, the data and understanding the data that you need to have as it relates to hospitalizations, ER visits, you know, reduction in falls, length of stay. All of those things are extremely important to payers. And when you think about a checklist, that's the beauty also of what we as an alliance will bring to those individual operators. We're not just going to say you're a member of the alliance. We're going to have individuals working locally as Servium Care Network employees in those local regions to help come along beside those operators. We'll help you understand. We'll give you technology to operate in a value-based care world with an operating system that does that. We'll be side by side with you, teaching you how to operate that system, 
to make sure that we're producing the outcome because what we want to make sure that we do and what's extremely important in any value-based care relationship is the outcomes. And I'm not willing to take the chance that, hey, it's just gonna be okay, join the Alliance and let's hope for the best. We're gonna come along beside those operators. We're gonna have a, an operating system that's gonna help them navigate the value-based care world. We'll be right side by side with them, teaching them that so we know we're gonna get the outcomes because the last thing you want to do as an operator, as an alliance is go at risk without a known outcome that you're gonna be producing. So we wanna know we get the outcomes, make sure we're getting those outcomes, and then you step and move into partial risk, step and move into full risk with Medicare dollars, which is where I think the true value is. You know, there's a lot of things going on out there about care coordination fees and shared savings, and those are a great way to enter into the, the value-based care space. In my opinion, before it really becomes meaningful, you have to be able to get access to the risk and be willing it to enter into a risk type of relationship before it really gets truly meaningful from an economic standpoint. And at the end of the day, who truly benefits from value-based care is the resident because that's where the outcomes are coming is through improved care, improved proactive care, and we're moving into more of a, a well care system, a health care system, getting out of the sick care system that we're living in today. Align is the most powerful all-in-one operating system for senior women, uniting critical workflows and data across sales and marketing, operations, leasing and billing, and resident care. All-in-one, easy-to-use, senior living software suite with best in-class reporting and data analytics built in. Align enables your teams to be more efficient, make better decisions, and deliver high-quality resident experiences at scale. See how better operations drive better outcomes at Align Ops and sign up for a free demo. That's AlignOPS.com. It seems to me with, with all of the conversation, the energy, what you guys are doing, what the industry is talking about, this is a train that's kind of already leaving the station. Maybe it's already left the station. As a community leader, you need to be thinking about getting on board uh, with it. Is this the future of senior housing and you're going to have to be as a senior living operator part of that? Or is this something to where this going to kind of divide the industry from those that are in value-based care and those that aren't? Uh, do you have anything in your crystal ball that would give some indication of that? As an operator, you are going to be doing value-based care by the year 2030, whether you know it or not whether you're gonna actively participate in it and get paid for those outcomes, or whether you're just gonna be a bystander, because every one of the physicians that you're gonna be working with in your community is gonna be in a value-based care system. You know, CMS has, has drawn a line in the sand and they, they've done in this in the past, but I, I believe they're serious about it this time, that every single physician that works with a Medicare resident in the, by the year 2030 will be in a value-based care relationship. So when I look at that, when I think about that as an operator and as an industry, we just as well embrace this and find a way for it to benefit us all, both economically, but again, ultimately at the end of the day, it's going to benefit the residents because you're going to be in a value-based care relationship, whether you know it or not, in every one of your senior living communities. So for the types of communities that would be eligible or probably the best candidate for this, obviously our industry, when we say senior living, 
uh, you know, the first question I always ask is what kind of product, what kind of services are you delivering? So, you know, we've got the independent types communities with a lot of flavors there, some coordination of services, some not so much assisted living all the way through, you know, your memory care communities. Does this stop on the acuity spectrum of independent living communities are not going to be part of this and this is just for the assisted living memory care and above or is there opportunity to get involved in this at kind of every level there is absolutely opportunity to get involved in this at every level when you think about a payer they're probably going to be most attractive actually to the independent living because they would rather get quote unquote access to those individuals earlier in the process right to be able to help to navigate their care and, and create savings earlier in the process. So if you're a CCRC, if you're a 28 apartment assisted living or everything in between, value-based care is something that is available and is an opportunity for all of us in this industry. Probably my last question, I got to give Lucas some space here because he's, I know he's itching over there, but he's still on, he's still on the phone, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's taking calls right now. We'll get back to him. From the time that, say I'm an operator, I hear this and I'm like, I've got to get involved. What is kind of your timeline from let's get involved, let's get part of a network like this, and to the time that you actually start experiencing, let's say, payment for services? What does that look like? Is that months? Is that years? Uh, what is the process milestones? We're creating alliance strategies in specific states. And in those specific states, as an operator, we're creating opportunities for you to enter into an alliance day one. What we're going to provide is technology. We're going to provide preventive technology to help provide and create outcomes at no cost to the provider. And we're going to monitor that, watch that for a year, look at what those outcomes are. And then by year two is when you can start to expect to receive payments for the outcomes that you're producing. And then by year three and four, when we move into more and more risk, those payments will increase significantly over a period of time. But it's a, it's a stair-step approach. You don't just flip a light switch. Oh, I'm doing value-based care. It's more of a dimmer. I mean, you, you step in, you enter into it, you begin to monitor your outcomes, monitor your data, what you're producing, what you're doing from an outcome perspective. And then you, you move into maybe some partial risk, a little bit more risk, and then you can move into full risk. Now, there's opportunities in value-based care for you to, as an operator, if you never want to get into the risk world, you can certainly do that. I mean, you can live in shared savings, you can live in care coordination fees, but my belief is that's just accessing just a very tip of the iceberg of what value-based care could be available to you if you stay in that space. The shared savings gets harder and harder and harder every year, and those dollars are going to shrink. And the care coordination fees aren't really significant, in my opinion, to begin to move the needle from a revenue standpoint in individual communities. So what we're offering is that opportunity to get access to upside risk without ever being exposed to any downside risk and, and contributing capital to be you know, an owner of a special needs planner to that effect. So I think what we're offering is a great entry level for communities to be able to access some of the great benefits of value-based care without some of those downside risks that are associated with it. Wow, Lucas, today seems like the day. Our, our listeners are hearing this message. They gotta get started. You're in communities 
of every size and shape every day of your life all over the country. I can see you running with a flag uh, down the hallways, just telling people they got to get on board with this. <laughs> I definitely will be. I'll be in a conversation with somebody. I'll say, hey, have you talked about value-based care? I just had a great conversation with Alan. You should check out our show. Fun fact. So this episode is actually 288. So 288 for our flagship uh, weekly show. Alan was on episode 88, um, <laughs> 200 episodes ago. So I don't know how that coincidence really lines up with the math, but a fun fact for our listeners. I know that this is a conversation we have just scratched the surface and I know our listeners are going to want to connect. We will make sure, Alan, that we connect your information in the show notes. Our listeners can also go to btgvoice.com. They can download this episode. If you want to read the transcript and take this to your teams, that's also available at btgvoice.com. Connect with us on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear your comments about this topic and how it's affecting your day-to-day -day operations. Alan, thank you so much for spending time with us today. You bet. It's been great. I'm all about creating value for operators. I'm an operator at heart, and that's why I'm doing this, and that's why I'm going to continue to do this, is to be the voice of an operator in this value-based care space, because I think that's what this industry truly, truly needs, is an operator's perspective of value-based care. Excellent way to end the show today. And thanks to our listeners for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG Network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.